0: Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. This is a great scripture. We are, we've been talking this month about faith. It's a good thing to talk about, isn't it, in church? Yeah. Faith. Hey, Bill. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and we've titled it Anointed to Believe. Who knows that every single person God anoints you to have great faith? Come on. I'll say that again, and you can agree with me with a big amen, even if you don't feel like you have great faith. God has anointed you with great faith today. Amen. <laughs> Woo! That's better. Thank you. And so, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, this is a, a favorite scripture of mine because I believe many people get stuck. Because they don't get the revelation that I'm going to preach today. So this is a really important message. I believe this is a key message to receive in every single believer's life. It really is. And it sounds really simple. What I'm going to preach sounds really simple. But I can guarantee you, if you get this, this will unlock the power of God in your life this will take the discouragement and the frustration that you've been having of saying, God, I need more of this. God, I want that. How come this isn't happening? How come that this will provide answers? Yeah. Amen. I knew you would like that. All right, come on. We are saved. Listen up. We are saved by grace through faith. Simple. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works. It's a gift. It's a gift of God so that no one will boast. Now, this is not just talking about salvation. This is a key principle of how the whole kingdom of God, of how your whole relationship with God works. You are saved by grace. Who knows that grace saves you? You didn't save yourself. Come on. There should be no proud Christians in this room. You did not, there was nothing you could do to save yourself. You didn't do it. Come on, stop, stop being selfish. Stop thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. God, you know, I know you saved me, but I was pretty good to get saved, right? No, no, you're saved by grace, but through faith. So grace alone doesn't save you. God alone does not save you interesting, isn't it? It's not all God. See, grace is God's work in our life. Grace is God's part. That's all God. You've got nothing to do with grace. It's all of God. Faith is our part. Faith is your part. So you're saved by God, but also through faith, through your part. See, there's a tension, isn't it? Because now you're all confused. I can see your faces thinking, oh, what's he saying here? There's a tension in the kingdom. Many believers don't like this. And so they love to go one way or the other. But the key with this principle, the key with this revelation is you have to sit right in the middle. It's like, they're like, it's like a scale. And, and you've got the scales, right? And you've got, and I've got a handheld mic, so I can't use both my hands in this. But you've got the, the balance, right? So you've got one on that side, one on that side, grace and faith. And many people, they're thinking, oh, grace, it's all God. And so what happens is it's all God and it begins, to, it begins to tilt the scales out of whack. It's all God. It's just all God's will in my life. Oh, well, if God wills it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, you know, if, if God wants to do that in my life, he'll do it. Oh, yep, yeah, God can do that. God can do that. But yeah, well, you know, if he wants to, if God wants to. No, no, you're too far over in the side of grace. You're forgetting that you're saved by grace, but through faith. Right. See, there's your part. There's your part too. Oh, well, God's just sovereign and if he wants this to happen, God will do it. No, it's grace through faith. But see then, too many people go over to the faith side of things. People see the grace and they see the sovereignty and they're like, no, I don't, but but we need to do more. And so they go over to the faith. And they say, when we've, you've probably heard this, it's all about you. You have to do all this. You have to work up the faith to believe. It's just, come on, if you just had more faith, you'd get healed. If you just had more faith, you'd be prosperous. If you, you just got to pray more. You just got to read the word more. You just got to do all this. And they're great things, but it's the motive of the heart, faith. See, too many people go over to the side of faith and it becomes a works mentality. And that's why so many believers get tired and discouraged Because we get preached so much faith and they're forgetting about the grace of God. Anyone ever felt like that? It's all about me. Oh, God, you've done all this. I just have to do all this now. And you're striving. See, that gets you into striving and performance. It's a works mentality. So there has to be a balance. There is a relationship between grace and faith. And there needs to be a balance that we get. Otherwise, your scales are going to tip over and you'll be uh, walking like this. You'll be heavy. You'll be lopsided on one side, too fat on one side. you to be right in the middle. Amen? Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask, think, believe or imagine. Come on. Amazing. And so we get preached that and we think, wow, how good is that? Yes, it's true. It is true. But the reality is the majority of people don't experience that. Because the next part of the scripture, the scripture doesn't end there. The next bit needs to be preached. According, according to his power that is at work within you. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, pray for, dream for. You couldn't The greatest prayer you have, God wants to do way more than that in your life. But it's according to something. According to the power that is at work within you. That Greek word for at work within you is the word energios, where we get our word energy from. And it literally means to be active. According to his power that is active within you. His power needs to be active in you. I ask, how is his power active in you? How? By faith by faith by faith so there's our part god's part he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine our part is the faith we need to activate his power within us amen so i'm going to teach on this today i've got a little bit to get through but that's okay i want to get we need to get this balance right this is really important in our life this is why you get burnt out this is why you get discouraged this is why you don't see the power of God in your life. Because I believe this revelation was saved by grace through faith. God's part and our part. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about God's part today, what God does, what God has done and what he's doing. And then I'm going to talk about our part. So turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. So Paul's letter to the Ephesians, if you look in the first three chapters, the book of Ephesians is he unpacks the grace of God. The first three. The next three, he unpacks our response. So this is a really powerful book. You need to pour through the book of Ephesians to get the revelation of grace. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to this. But because of his great love for us. Whose great love? gods yes god who is rich in mercy think of the richest person you know on planet earth today and god is a billion trillion infinity times richer in mercy that's amazing and you think you're sitting there thinking oh god's not happy with me this week oh maybe maybe god doesn't really like me it says he's rich in mercy he's a multi-billion trillionaire in mercy someone take that. Yeah. He made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. Amen. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 shows us why. In order that in the coming ages, he might show, listen, the incomparable, incom- so it can't be compared. There's nothing you can compare it to. So, every illustration I use in in the in this sermon, it will not do it justice. It's just ruined all my illustrations. He must show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Come on. God is so much better than you think he is. He's so much better than you think he is. Come on. Come on. I know that. The devil's been speaking lies to you and he points you to stuff, mysteries, things that is difficult for us to explain in the Old Testament. Why did God do this? Why did he do that? Why that? But the reality is, is that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. God always had a redemption plan. Come on. Come on. He is so much better than you think he is. You've got to rebuke those lies that when that gets preached to you, your mind starts going, oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Well, this hasn't come up in my life. Well, what about that? No, he is. If if you're earthly, think of a good earthly father, an amazing earthly father. God is a thousand times better. Come on. Amen. 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 So there's three expressions. See, so Paul says the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness, and uh, and there's three ways that Paul describes in this book of Ephesians that God expresses. His grace towards us. This is all God's part, remember? Yeah. This is all God's part. you got nothing to do with it, okay? Yeah. So don't get all proud. Nothing to do with it. This is all God's part. So Ephesians 2.4, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. Yeah. The first way God expressed His grace towards you and expresses His grace is that you are unconditionally loved. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. That means there's no conditions, there's no strings attached to God's love. You don't do anything to get it. Did you know that God's love is completely independent of you? It doesn't involve you, it doesn't involve your worth or your performance. Paul said when we were dead, when we were dead, God loved us. God loved us unconditionally when we were dead. Now, I don't want to paint like a, a, a bad picture here, but think about a dead person. You can't. A dead person can't love you back. They're dead. Their body's dead. This is what Paul is saying. This is a picture he's painting. A dead body cannot love you back. It can't show physical expression or emotion. It can't express any words. And this is what Paul is saying, we, where you were at, you were dead. And God still loved you. And so Romans 5, he says, if he loved you when you were dead, when you were a sinner, how much more now that you're a son? Wow. And you've been going out throughout your whole week thinking, oh, God must not love me. I'm not getting this breakthrough. I'm not getting this. I'm not healed. I don't have this area fixed in my life. Or I've been praying in this area for years. God mustn't love me. Ridiculous. Yeah. Absolute joke. Come on. We've got to get over ourselves sometimes yeah. and realise the incredible love of Jesus for us. Yeah. Amen. Come on. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. He says, see. See. That's a good word to start with because many of us don't see. We've got, we've got like goggles on or something. I don't know what it is. Many of us don't see. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished upon us. See, you got to look. So if you're not looking, you won't see it. If you're not looking, that word, that Greek word for see is continuous. It's a continuous word, meaning that you're not meant to look once and then stop looking. The problem is, is that you've stopped looking at the love of God. That's the problem. You've got to continually see. Your eyes need to be fixed on the love of Jesus that God sent His only Son for you, that He died, that it was a complete work of grace on your behalf, independent of you. You had nothing to do with it. He loves you unconditionally. No conditions. You have to see that. See what great love He's lavished upon you. Lavished. Lavished upon each and every single person in this room. Titus chapter 3 verse 4. It says that God expressed His love and kindness to us, that Jesus came and died for us. Amen? Amen. Come on. Yeah. He came and died for us. That was His great mercy. And it wasn't because of any righteous works that you did. Religion will teach you. See, this is, I find this really interesting. Most people will say they believe this, what I'm saying right now. But then we preach to people, people who aren't saved, You can be in your worst sin, your worst moment, but we preach Jesus to them. God loves you so much. God loves you unconditionally. You're awesome. You're amazing. Come to Him. And then they come to Jesus. Then they get saved and born again. And then we start preaching that, well, God condemns you for your sin. You should feel, you you know, now, now now that you're saved, now you've got all this sin in your life and God doesn't love you anymore. Now you've got to fix up your life before God loves you. Come on. That's what religion teaches. He loves you so much when you're a sinner, but now that you're a son, now you've got to fix up your life and then he'll love you. It's ridiculous. How much more will he love you now that you're a son? He doesn't approve of sin, but it's the revelation of love that gets you out of sin. How can you get free of sin if you don't know that God loves you? Absolutely ridiculous. It's only in the presence of the Lord that you get free. Come on now. He loves you unconditionally. I knew you would like that point. Grace, the literal word for grace, we know is the Greek word charis. The most simplest way, and this is a rich term, but the most simplest way to explain it, God's unearned, undeserved favor and blessing. Unearned and undeserved. It means it's not tied to your performance. It means it's not about how good you are. It's not about how bad you are. This is completely God's part. Completely God's part. So stop putting yourself in the place of God. Stop putting yourself in the place of God and saying, well, I haven't spent much time with you, God. I've got all these issues and hang-ups in my life, so you must not love me. No, you're putting yourself in the place of God. You're saying that you play a part in God's grace and God's love. Am I smashing that lie? Has that lie been broken now? Come on. Number two, Ephesians chapter two, verse six. God raised us up with Christ. I love this part. This is amazing. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Amen. Holy Spirit, I ask for spiritual eyes right now in every single person to see that as real As we are sitting, as real as they are sitting in their chairs right now, it's even a greater reality that we are seated on the throne, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Open up the eyes of your people right now in Jesus' name. Come on. The second way God expresses His love towards us is grace. Grace, love, kindness is that we are eternally united to Jesus. This is apart from you. I know what you're thinking. Must be my... No, completely apart from you. We are eternally united to Christ Jesus. One with Him. One with Him. Well, I don't feel one with Him. Well, you are. You are. You're one with Him in spirit. So Colossians chapter 3 says that our lives are hidden... Listen... Hidden with Christ in God. That's really important to get. Our lives are hidden with Jesus, with Him. So your life's hidden with Jesus and you're in God. So if God wants to find you, He has to look within Himself. That's pretty amazing, is it not? If God wants to find your life, if God wants to look at you, He has to look within Himself. God has made you completely one with Him. Pwah! And you thought you were just some insignificant little person. Yet the God, of the, the, the God who created the heavens and the earth, created everything, did all these amazing miracles, and is still doing them today. Your life is in Him, yeah. hidden in Him. Yeah. You're with Christ. You're one with Jesus. And your life is hidden in God. You know that, that Greek word for hidden? It's the same word that the writer uses, uses in the Gospels. For we remember the story. I can't remember what chapter it's in. But it's where Jesus is in his hometown. And he gets people so angry that they want to throw him off the cliff. You remember that story? And the scripture says that Jesus just walks straight through them. He just moseyed on by. How? How, I ask. Well, it must have been a miracle. Either... He disappeared before their eyes because they, gra- they were violent. They wanted to murder him, throw him off a cliff and he walked straight through them. So I don't know what happened. Either he disappeared, either they couldn't see him, either God overpowered everyone, I don't know. But that's the same word that Paul uses here for the Greek word for hidden. Our life is hidden with Christ. Our life, he's literally saying that we, and you know, I don't fully get this. This is so... It's incredible, but it's like your life has disappeared into the life of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Those people, they couldn't find Jesus. Amazing, isn't it? It also tells me that if you want to see who you truly are, you can only look through Jesus. If you want to find your life, if you want to find anything about yourself, if you want to find your identity, the only way you can do it is by looking through Jesus. That's the only way. Come on. That's the only way you can do it. Your life has disappeared into Jesus. It's with Jesus in God. See, the scripture is literally, it's like, it's telling you, it's commanding you, it's saying, stop looking at your life in all these other ways. Stop picking up all these false identities, looking at your life through your job, looking at your life through your family line, looking at your life through your future. Oh God, my future doesn't look bleak. Looking at your life through what you've done in the past. It's literally saying, no, stop doing that. The only way the born again believer should look at their life is through Jesus Christ. Come on. Through Jesus. So I say, let go of all those false identities. Let go of them. Let go of those false identities. Stop thinking about yourself that way. You've got to look at yourself through Jesus. That's the only way. That's what God says. If God says it, then I'll do it. I'm happy with that, God. You're the final authority. I'm not God. So I'll do what you say. And if you say, I have to look at my life through Jesus Christ, through the righteousness of Jesus, through the, faithfulness of Jesus, through the obedience of Jesus, through the sinlessness of Jesus, then I'll do it. Then I'll do it. It's really simple. The grace of God is really simple. Amen. Romans 5 verse 17 says that if death came through the one man, through Adam, then if death reigned through him, through his one decision, then how much more will God's provision of grace and his gift of righteousness cause you to reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Reign is a kingly term. Did you know that? You're called to reign in life. Think about how much death has reigned throughout the earth. Sickness, evil, death reigned all through the first man, Adam. Well, how much more, Paul is saying in Romans 5:17, will grace and righteousness, uh, apart from you, completely apart from you, this is God's gift to you, how much more will that reign in your life, in your life through Christ Jesus? We're getting there. We're getting there. See, the devil will always try to get you to live for position in God. For position. It's about you. You've got to do this, you've got to do this, then God will be happy with you. If you want to get healed, you have to do this, this, this and then God, will be, then God will heal you. If you want to be prosperous, do this, 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 and this, and then God will do it in your life. See, the world teaches us as we grow up, it's called the orphan spirit an orphan mentality. The world teaches us that we have to fight for our position. And so when we come into the kingdom as born again believers, we keep trying to fight for our position before God. We don't even realize it. But we're performing, we're striving. We're fighting for our position. The devil will lie to you and lie to you and lie to you to try to get you to fight for your position. So To say, I need to earn my position before Father God. But God says, I don't want you fighting for your position. I want you fighting from your position. Yeah. Come on. He wants you... To live. This is why the revelation of grace is so incredibly powerful because it causes you to come out of timidity and insecurity into a place of wholeness and life where you're living from your position in Jesus Christ, realising that you're hidden with Him in God. You're seated on the throne, reigning in life. It changes the whole way you think, doesn't it? See, when you get saved, when you get born again, when you made that decision, Jesus, he just you just didn't incorporate him into your life. It wasn't like you had the cake and then, and then Jesus was just the sprinkles, the topping on top. But that's how many Christians treat that. That I'm just incorporating Jesus into my life here. Yeah, I'm incorporating him here. Oh yeah, I'm happy for him to here. No, I don't go there, but I'll bring him in here. No, when you get saved and born again, Jesus becomes your life. He becomes your life. Your life is hidden with Christ in in God himself. Last expression of grace that Paul describes. This is all God's part, independent of you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. That's past tense. It means he has blessed me. He has blessed you. Apart from you, it's not your performance that gets God's blessing. He's already blessed you. It's not about you. It's about God. He decided it. Don't put yourself in the place of God, remember? He decided that you would be blessed, and so you're blessed. When you're a child of God, you are automatically blessed. You already have God's blessing. This will stop you from striving and performing, thinking I've got to do this to get the blessing. I've got to give to get blessed. No, no, we do that out of the revelation that we are already blessed. Come on, come on, already. Look, I looked up this Greek word, every. When he says, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And you know what it means? It means every. Yep. It does. I know. Amazing. It means every. Every. Everything. Every. I'll say it again. Every. Every. What is every? Every. That means there is no blessing that God has that He hasn't hold that He doesn't hold back from you. See, we think God's holding something back from me. God, I'm not getting my breakthrough. A, I must have to twist your arm here. I must have to do something because you're holding back from me. No, no. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. So if you go through your whole Bible and do a whole study of all the ways God blessed humanity, of all the ways God blessed Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, of all the ways he blessed Jesus, Elijah, every single great man and woman of God, every miracle, every blessing, everyone... That's what God's blessed you with. Oh, come on. Wow. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. The Pharisees come to Jesus. And I'll paraphrase it. They come to him and they say, well, where's the kingdom? When's the kingdom rocking up? When am I getting blessed? When are we getting free? When am I getting my breakthrough? When am I going to get this? When are we going to get this, Jesus? You should know. You should know. When, when, am, when is my relationship going to get fixed? When am I ever going to see your power in my life? And Jesus says, "The kingdom of God can't be observed. can't be observed. nor will they say, "See here or look there," meaning, meaning you can't observe the kingdom, you can only see the fruit of it in your life. But you can't observe it with your physical eyes. We see the manifestation of the kingdom. We see the fruit of the kingdom come forth, the fruit of God's blessing, but you can't see it with your physical eye. You can't. That's why it's called faith. Our part, which I'll get into. You can't see it. Jesus says, for the kingdom of God, in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, it is within you. It is within you. In fact, the writer to alludes to the fact that Jesus was saying that the kingdom of God is in your midst, meaning he's the kingdom. And guess what? Jesus Christ lives in you. The kingdom is in you. Every spiritual blessing that God has, he has poured it out within you. You don't need to ask God to be blessed. You don't need to ask God to get more blessing. Like Pastor Andrew said, there is a tree within you full of seed. A tree within you. So that's why, listen up, because then many people think, well, how come I'm not seeing it? I don't feel blessed. I don't feel like I'm getting all this. I don't feel like I'm seeing God move. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed to the church in Ephesus. He prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know Him better, so that you would know His grace, so that your eyes, your heart would be opened up, you would receive truth. There would be an unavailing within you of the grace and the blessing that God has given you in your life. Right. That was the one, that was the prayer that Paul said. So imagine if you had, um, if you think you're writing a prayer to your, your, your kids in 2,000 years time, so it would be like, you, you'd be like the grand, 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 grandparent and grandparent, right? And most of us would pray something like this. This is what I think most people would pray. Father, I just ask for my grand, 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 grandkids that you would release your blessing upon their life. I ask that they would walk in great power, that they will see revival in their days, that the Spirit of God will move in their life, that they would see healings, miracles, signs and wonders, that the blessing of the Lord would be so rich in their life, that they would know who they are, that they would see God move. That's I mean, it's a great prayer. If you say it passionately enough like I did. But that sounds like a good prayer. That's a prayer that the church has been praying for years. The Apostle Paul doesn't pray that. He doesn't. He says, I'm praying that God will give you, every single person in this room, every person in this room right now, look at me, you, you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you would know what God has already freely given to you. Come on, come on. See, you don't need more faith. You don't need, you don't need to twist God's arm. You don't need to get him to do all that stuff. You just need wisdom and revelation. You need to see what he's already given to you. Wow. Isn't this a great revelation? I was talking to Pastor Andrew during the week and I won't take credit of this one. I usually do take credit for his stuff, but not this one. Because he, he said it was great. It, was, it just hit me. The devil, he always works from the outside in. The devil will always work from the outside in. God always works from the inside out. That's amazing. Yeah. The devil will always work. He'll, he'll always try to get every circumstance, every storm in your life, or even every blessing, he'll try to get all of that and cause it to penetrate the inside of you to stop the flow of faith, to stop the flow of God in your life. He wants the storm on the outside to get into you. He wants it to get into you because he knows knows who you are in Christ Jesus. He knows you have the grace of God, every spiritual blessing. So he knows if he can dictate your outward circumstances, if he can control the way you think and get you believing all these lies about yourself, that it will completely block the flow of God in your life because remember, it's according to faith, according to our response, his power that is active within us, Ephesians 3.20. But see, God, listen up, God always works from the inside out. So God doesn't bless the outside first, he blesses the inside first. He doesn't place his kingdom on the outside of you first, he doesn't do that. And we think, well, God's not moving. God's not doing anything. How come you're not doing this, God? No, He puts it on the inside of you. So what's on the inside will then get outside. Come on. So what is on the inside of your spirit, what is placed in your spirit will all of a sudden go boom and penetrate your outward circumstances. So you can be in the worst circumstance in your life. You can be in the worst sin. You can be in the... Worst possible, you know, worse sickness, worse whatever. And Jesus Christ, he lives on the inside of you and God wants that blessing to pop out. So in that circumstance, you are no more blessed than you are if you're walking in complete freedom. It took a bit, but I got there. You are no more blessed when you are sick than when you are healed, spiritually, on the inside. You, you are no more prosperous when you have two million dollars to when you have two dollars. You're no more prosperous. He's already blessed you. So that's why our response is so important, isn't it? Because it draws what's in our spirit into manifestation in the natural realm. So are you ready for your response? Yeah. Woo! Come on. Ephesians 2:8. Listen up. Saved by grace. Through faith, Faith. Faith. God's part. Now we're looking at our part, okay? This is your role. I love this bit. This is, if you know my preaching, I always saved the best till last. So get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, come on. Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified, so that's grace, right? God's part, God's part, that's God's part. Through faith, our part. So we've been justified by grace through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, the blessing of God, the favour of the Lord, in which we now stand. So Paul talks, he's talking here about our response. And our response is faith. And faith always accesses the grace of God. Faith will always access the grace of God. And there's three ways, three ways I see in Scripture that Paul talks about our response, okay? Faith is our positive response. Think about that. Faith is just our positive response to what God has already done. Amen? The first one, number one, is believing faith. Believing faith. I've got to believe. That's the first level. It's really easy. I've just got to believe. So salvation, you don't have to do anything amazing. You don't have to have any incredible faith. You just need to believe. I just believe, Jesus. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart and I'm saved. So I believe. I believe you, Jesus. Believing faith. So Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says that the grace of God has been poured out upon all men it's available to every single man woman child the grace of God that's the saving grace of God that's everything I've been talking about in God's part it's been poured out for everyone yet that was at the cross 2,000 years ago right yet since the cross not every person has been saved have they not everyone has been saved at the moment not everyone's saved is it God's will to save everyone? Yeah. Of course it is. His grace has been poured out. So then why doesn't God just do it? If His grace has been poured out, why doesn't He just save anyone, everyone? Our part, our response. Believing faith. Faith receives grace. Faith always responds to grace. Grace doesn't receive, we think it's the other way around. We think it's grace that responds to faith. So we think, we think if I have enough faith, then I'll get God to give me grace. If I have enough faith, I'll get God to move. And so we face a problem in our life. And it's like we're trying to, it's like we're trying to wrestle with God to get him to do something for us. It's like we're using faith to, say, to try and convince God. Like he already needs to be convinced. Wow. Come on. Come on. Faith always responds to the revelation of grace. So that means the greater revelation of grace I have, the more I study, the more I spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more I soak in the grace of God, the greater faith I will have. Believing faith. Believing. I just believe. So this took me a while. I remember when I first heard the message of grace, it probably took me about a year to actually believe that I was forgiven. To believe that. See... We think we believe it, but then we go and live our life completely opposite. Yeah, I believe God forgives me, but then you won't forgive anyone else. That, that literally means you don't believe you're forgiven. That's the reality. If, if you're unable to forgive other people, if you take a long time to forgive others, then you need to believe you're forgiven first. I'm not questioning anyone's salvation. I'm just saying you need to believe you're forgiven. Believing faith. I believe that God's word says what it is. Yep, God, you say, yep, you say that about yourself. You say that about me, so I just believe it. That's believing faith, okay? I believe I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. I believe you provided for your healing, I believe that. Or for my healing, I believe that. I'm just believing it. Even though I don't see it, I believe it. I believe, I believe you say that I'm prosperous, it says in your word, so I believe it. Believing faith is the first one. Next one, you ready? Yeah. Is trusting faith. So my first response is I believe in the grace of God. I just believe that because God says it and he's God and I'm not. He's the boss, so I'm just going to believe him. Okay? Next one is trusting faith. It's really interesting. In Scripture, great, uh, faith comes from the Greek word paistos. Whenever Jesus mentions faith, they always either translate it trust or faith. Faith comes from the exactly the same Greek word as trust. So Jesus saw no difference between trusting God and having faith in God. Yeah, if I said to you, do you have faith in me? If I said, John, do you have faith in me? You would say yes. But if I said, do you trust me? It's a different story. Not until he knows my character. Not until he knows my nature does he trust me. Really interesting. We separate faith and trust. Many people believe in God. Many people have faith in God. But not many people trust God. We separate it, but what does Jesus do? He holds the two together. Faith is trust. Trust is faith. So I believe first, and then I trust. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, 24, suddenly there was a furious storm. So there's a big storm on the lake, massive storm. They're rowing the boat along. And the disciples woke him up because they're freaking out. We've got no clue what to do, like many of us today. Got no idea. What do I do, Jesus? Help me. You're in my boat. But I don't know what to do. There's this big storm going on. Jesus replies, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Imagine the disciples' response. It's pretty obvious, Jesus. Goodness. Probably thought he was blind. Then he got up. This is Jesus. He says, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, we're in verse 26, and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. Incredible miracle. He sees the power of God show up. The majority of us, the majority of people, I'll say, this is how we do it. We see the storm, we see the problem and we say, God, please do something here. God, please move in my life. God, I just need you. If you would just come through here, I will follow you for the rest of my life. I mean, I, I, I prayed a lot of that when I was in my teenage years. God, if you would just do this, then I'll do this. God, please just come and do something. Jesus, He doesn't pray that. Jesus doesn't respond like that. Jesus doesn't say to the wind and the waves, God, come and move. He doesn't even say, God, Thank you that you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. He doesn't even say, God, thank you that you can do this. Now do it. He doesn't even say that. We can do that a lot. Yeah? No, Jesus stands up. What does he do? He trusts that God has already provided in his life by faith. He trusts that by grace through faith. Jesus trusts that God already knew that this storm will come, that God had already had an answer to his problem And so instead of just sitting back and freaking out, Jesus trusts that he has authority. He trusts that he's the son of God, one with God. He trusts that. And so he stands up, boom, he rebukes the storm and it's completely calm. The power of God shows up. Why? It was the grace of God that came through because Jesus was just responding to God's grace. Trusting faith, Sees that God has provided and just trust. I trust you, Lord. Even though there's a huge storm, even though I've got all these issues, I trust that by grace, you have seen every problem I will ever face. And so by grace, you have already provided the solution for me. And so I will trust in that. Trusting faith. It can take a little bit of reading your word. The Word of God you can take a little bit of spending time with God, get to know His character and nature, to trust Him. Believing faith, and then trusting faith. That's why Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 11 verse 24, Jesus says, "Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've received it first, and then you'll have it." The problem is, is we want to see it first, and then we believe. That whatever you ask for, it's not just anything. I'm not going to ask for someone to go and die. So there's conditions to the whatever. The whatever is whatever God has already provided by grace. The whatever is the provision He's already given you in your life. You believe you've received it. God, I receive it first and now it's mine. Even though I don't see it, I believe I've received it. I've asked for it. I believe I've received it. So it's mine. I have to have it. It has to come forth sooner or later. It's mine. I've got it. It's mine. Remember? Remember, God works from the inside out. I have it in my spirit. And so I'm going to trust you, God, because I know that it's going to come out of me sooner or later. I know Holy Spirit it's going to come out sooner or later. Like Jesus, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to speak your word and trust you. It's a good word for some people today. Amen. Last one, almost done. The third one, third response is active faith. Active faith. We're saved by grace, God's part, and our part now is active, is to be active. Active faith. Faith is not passive. Faith doesn't sit back on your armchair and sipping coffee all day, unless you're reading a good book. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. What is the everything else? Well, he's talking to the disciples there houses, cars, family, relationship, all the earthly provision you need will be provided for you when you actively seek first the kingdom of God. So that's God's provision of grace in your life, that's the kingdom. That's God's part. It's the grace of God, the blessing that we already have from God. That's his kingdom, right? By agency of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in you. He is the kingdom. He's the king. Holy Spirit is Lord on earth. He's the king. He lives in you and he has his kingdom with him. So that means it's in you, okay? And his righteousness. Righteousness is our position in Jesus, but it's also what Jesus is talking about is righteousness is simply God's way of doing things, the right way, doing it God's way. When we act righteously, that's doing it God's way, right? And all these things will be added to you. So faith is active. I've got written here, it's a really good point. Some people might be disappointed by this. Grace doesn't mean that we don't do anything. I'm sorry. But grace doesn't mean you don't do anything, okay? Grace means that you are active. So we see the grace of God, we see the revelation of God's grace, and then we actively respond. We believe, we trust, but now we're seeking. Now we're seeking. So I'm trusting God, but now I'm seeking something out. Now I'm beginning to seek out what I already have provided for me in the kingdom of God. See, now I see, I believe, I trust. So now I know something. Now I know that whatever I'm going through, now I know in my life that I have the kingdom within me. I have full access to the resources of heaven. So when I'm going through a problem, I'm, just, I'm not just going to sit back and sing kumbaya. Oh God, you'll do it. No, it's our response now. It's our response. I'm just not going to sit back. I'm going to seek My faith is active. My faith is going to seek God. I'm going to seek Him out. I'm going to seek what I already have. I want to know everything that I have. I want to know how I have to respond. See, faith is active. That means sometimes I need to respond with acts of faith. That's why James says faith without works is dead. And we think while he's talking about works there, no. He's saying your faith will always produce something in your life. Active faith will always pr- produce a response. Yeah. It will. It'll produce a response. So I, had a, I have a, a friend who I was praying for the other week because they were struggling with depression and anxiety, right? Yeah. And so I have this friend, and so I don't just sit back and say, Oh, Lord, I believe that you can move in their life. God, I trust that you can move in their life. Cool. Awesome. Do it. No. No, my faith is active. So I look through the word. I get a scripture for that person. Then I begin to declare the word of God over their life. I'm active. I'm moving by faith. See, some of you need to be more active. You need to get up and about. You need to do some exercise. You need to start responding by faith. See, Holly, and, and we, we think this is separate from the Holy Spirit. No, no. You're in partnership with Holy Spirit. And He will show you acts of faith to take. That's why we tithe. That's why we tithe. It's active faith. It's responding to the revelation of grace. So God, I believe that I have the blessing to be prosperous in my life. But then if you don't tithe, you're not not active in your faith. You're not believing it really. If you believed, if you trusted, then you would give. You would act on it. See, we don't give to get something We give from something. We give from who God has already made us to be. Wow. Come on. So Hebrews 4.11, almost done. Hebrews 4.11 says, we labor to enter into the rest, right? We labor. We labor to enter into this rest. So I'm seeking. I'm working. That's what it means. I'm working to enter into the rest. The rest is our Sabbath rest in Jesus Christ. God rested on the seventh day. Jesus is our seventh day rest. That's the rest is grace. That when you're born again, it's already all provided for you. But we labor, we work to enter into it. So now we're all thinking, well, now is this my works? Or now is it God's grace? No, it's God's grace but we work out of the motive that we know it's already been provided for. See, it, it, many people then, out of this scripture, we work to enter into the rest, they then get into a works mentality where they're thinking, I'm reading the word, I'm praying, I'm doing all this to get God to move. That is the wrong mentality. That's the wrong motive. So I need, I need my healing. I need deliverance in my friend's life. So I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to read more of the word and I'm going to live really holy this week because then God will move. Then the grace of God will show up. We've all thought like that. We have. Don't, don't look at me and think, no, I haven't. You have. We act like that all the time. That it's my righteous works that will get God to move. No, no, that's the wrong motive. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. We need to do that but it's all out of the motive of your heart. See, remember, faith responds to grace. So when I read the word, when I pray, I'm not doing it to get God to do something. I'm doing it out of Ephesians chapter one. God, show me what I already have. Holy Spirit, show me what to do in response to your grace. Show me your nature, God. Show me who you are unavail, get rid of the blindness in my heart. Show me Holy Spirit, reveal all of this to me and then show me what I need to do by faith to access the grace you've already given me. Same thing, exactly the same thing, reading the word, praying, fasting, all these things, living holy, which we're called to do. Exactly the same thing, but when you do it out of the right motive, it stops performance and striving in your life. That's why many people get discouraged and upset with God. It's true. Don't switch off on me now. I'm almost done. Many people get discouraged with God and frustrated because you're doing it out of the wrong motive. You're doing it thinking, I just got to get God. God, uh, if you just give me a vision, just give me an encounter. I'll, I'll be good this week if you give me an encounter. I'll do this if you just do something for me. Wrong motive. You can be doing the right thing with the wrong motive so it won't work. No, we do it out of the revelation that God's already provided by grace. Amen. That's God's part. Remember, unconditionally loved, eternally united. And what was the last one? Already blessed. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I remembered my own sermon. Already blessed. So our job, believing faith, our response, believing faith, trusting faith, And then active faith. I've got to be active on what I believe and now trust. I've got to be active on that. I'm going to seek out God. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to get, I'm going to spend time with God, not to get God to, not with an agenda, but I'm going to spend time with Him out of the motive that He is so awesome. He's already done all His part, all this incredible stuff for us. I'm going to pray, seek God, read the Word, disciple people, pray for the sick. I'm going to want to see people saved all because of a response to God's grace. You can be doing all the righteous acts. You can be going and doing all this stuff out of the wrong motive. And so you get discouraged and frustrated. And this is the balance of grace and faith. Do we get that today? The balance of grace and faith. We're saved, Ephesians 2.8, by grace through faith. God's part, I'm not saved all. God doesn't save me all on his own. He needs my response. My response doesn't save me all on my own. I need God's grace. I need a revelation of that. Grace and faith, the balance. When we sit smack bang in the middle of it, that's when it stops us striving. That's when it stops us getting burnt out. There's many burnt out believers because we think we have to do all the work to get God to move. Why don't you get his word, read what he's already done for you, and then act in faith on that. Come on. Amen? So why don't you stand with me? I want everyone to stand. I want to pray for people today. I believe this can be a real stronghold in our lives because the devil comes around and he wants us doing everything else that God doesn't want us to do. And I believe that the revelation of grace, the grace of God, God's part, what He's done for us, is the greatest revelation you could ever receive it's the greatest truth you could know it is it really is see faith is easy once you know god's done all this for you it brings security if you don't know god hasn't done it yet you're not going to have much faith so i'm going to pray but i want people if you feel like you've been stuck, like Pastor Andrew said at the start if you feel like you're not progressing in your relationship with God, you're tired you're discouraged it's because you need a revelation of grace, you need to know and experience the grace of God again and so I want those people I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy I just want you to lift your hands, it's really simple just lift your hands because I believe that as you do that the Holy Spirit is going to come and He's going to move in great power in your life. He's seen this moment in your life and He wants to stop striving in performance. He wants you moving in mighty faith. He wants you trusting Him. He wants you seeing the Kingdom of God manifest in your life. And the way we have that is through the revelation of grace. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We surrender every single thought that we've had of you. We just surrender it right now. We lay it down at your feet, Jesus, because we realize that there's things we believe that are wrong. There's things we believe about you that just aren't true. And so, Holy Spirit, we lay every thought down at your feet, at the feet of Jesus. And we ask right now that you would come and highlight in every person's mind right now, I ask, Father, come and highlight to them what they've been believing wrong about your grace, about who you are, about your nature, about who you've called them to be, about who they are. Right now, Holy Spirit, Right now, come on. Those people who keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. Those people who you need the fresh revelation of God's grace in your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are unconditionally loved by you. And I rebuke the lie that places conditions on God's love. I rebuke the lie that's restricted God's love in your life. I command that to come off people's lives. Lives, The, the, the devil, demons have been speaking to you and saying that God's love for you is conditional. And you yourself have been have been placing conditions on his love. And so... When you go throughout your week, you've been condemning yourself because you feel like, well, I haven't prayed enough this week. I haven't spent any time with God this week. I haven't done this this week. And you've actually been condemning yourself. What you're doing is you're placing conditions on God's love. And so I decree right now, freedom. 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 For every person in this room who's been believing that Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come and change our whole perspective of who you are, Father, right now. Right now, right now, right now. Right now in Jesus' name.